0: Like any industry, the wool industry is facing many issues. Markets recovering from the pandemic, early stage processing reliance on China, the availability of shearers and wool handlers are just to name a few. However, these issues come with opportunities. Welcome to The Yarn. It's a podcast for the Australian wool industry. I'm Marius Cumming. So recently, the AWI board held a webinar for wool growers and the greater industry to ask questions of those who direct the industry's research, development and marketing body. One of the early questions was about the state of various markets and the demand for wool products globally. AWI chairman Jock Laurie directed that question initially to new AWI board member, Georgia Hack.
1: And I think there's uh, sort of three factors that do um, place Wool in in a good position um, despite, I guess, inflation and and the economic challenges. And one is the luxury section. The the luxury sector um, is continuing to see significant growth and this is a global... Um, a sort of a global phenomenon. Um, We're seeing it in Australia and we're seeing it more broadly that the luxury brands and their use um, uh, and their growth and and also their use of wool is is sort of growing. So I don't think that's going to slow down anytime soon. The next factor is really around the eco-conscious consumer. So we know that the, the consumer, particularly the millennial and the younger The Gen Z um, is definitely buying uh, in a different way uh, to, to, um, you know, to to some of the older consumers. And that really is their perception of value, value being defined by quality and and value being defined by longevity. So with those two key factors, I do think that there's, you know, a, a good indicator for growth. And the last piece is probably just in regards to the innovation of the fibre, particularly in the sportswear sector um, and some of those other areas. Um, I think we're seeing continued growth, um, particularly in those new areas. Um, And what's been really interesting for me as I learn more um, is just the innovation of the fibre, and I think it's just a, a, a lesson that we have to really continue to innovate with the fibre and, and I think find new markets for growth. I know in the last board meeting we discussed interiors uh, as an opportunity and I know there's there's further um, further opportunities there. So um, whilst we don't have a crystal ball, I think those three factors are putting us in, in a good position for, for growth going forward.
2: Very good. Just on on that, Kevin, if I could, That's, thanks, Georgia, for that. Just wouldn't mind going to Noel for a minute who works at the absolute fine end whether he's got any views on that and then just get a, a bit of a grab from Don who's as a broker obviously has a a lot of those bread and butter wools uh, sitting there and, and what they see in those two market segments.
3: Uh thank, thanks Don. Good evening everyone. Um we operate in the in the uh in the high end I guess of, of the, the fashion world um, because we produce ultra fine and the finer end of super fine wool. What what we've found um, even during COVID is increased demand, um, and that means more people knocking on our door wanting to buy the wool, um, and and they they have some fairly strict criteria. You see, most of the buyers for that type of wool want um, RWS um, certified wool, uh, but the Georgia's point about there being increased demand is is uh, spot on because the reports we're getting out of uh, China say so there with the growing uh, middle class and and beyond that into the really high end there's they're starting now to consume these products and not only buying the traditional European brands but um, what we're seeing is the the young, Designers coming through the Chinese people developing their own high-end brands as well. So that's also getting um, Chinese um, buying uh, more uh, of the of the luxury fibre, more of the RWS certified wool. So it is it is something at the moment that is uh, is is very strong. Thank you, Don. Uh, thanks, Jock.
4: <clears throat> Look, I think that uh, the the situation with logistics in the pipeline at the moment is is masking the true recovery of the wool market. Um, you know, we've we've seen a very good recovery in the sector that Noel was just talking about, um, and we were anticipating a much stronger recovery post Christmas in the middle micron wools. Um, that hasn't happened because of the the bind that exporters and mills are finding in lag times getting wool through the pipeline. And anyone who is waiting on machinery uh, or anything that's being exported knows that it's not just a wool situation, that it's taking so long to get things through the pipeline. Hold ups with, uh, through dumps, through uh, no containers, uh, et cetera. So uh, I think at the moment, We'd like to think that the middle microns, uh, which, which apparently, you know, India has bounced back well, there's um, good business being done in, in you know, 20 and a half micron wool into India, whether it's going in there greasy or going in there as tops through China. Um, that, that That's all looking very healthy, but the, the problem we have is that exporters are strung right out to their maximum Um financial limitations I guess and that's that's a you know we're, we're lucky at the moment the currency is going with us um, we're lucky that um, we're going into a period of the year where uh, offerings are getting smaller and and we're hoping that those will sort of tide us through this next few months without the market uh, slipping much um, but generally we, we think that those walls you know in a true market situation could be absorbed at um couple of hundred cents higher than
0: where they are now an upbeat view of demand for wool from awi director don mcdonald and before that we heard from noel henderson australia's heavy reliance on china as an early stage processor of about 80 percent of the clip is an issue often talked about awi ceo john roberts was in a good position to answer this given he joined the webinar from europe where the issue is also discussed regularly
5: We've always worked in emerging markets for, you know, for I guess we had a, a new paper put out uh, in 2019, 2020, uh, attacking the emerging markets again, or revisiting it after our success in Vietnam, uh, which was a, which, a, which was a, we started in about 2012. Uh, we went from sort of zero partners to about 88 partners. And when I say partners, these are, these are manufacturers who previously didn't incorporate wool into their collections who now who now do. Um, so looking for that next Vietnam has been a big priority for us. Um, we conducted the uh, emerging markets uh, study and, and, and the subsequent plan that we took to the board. In, in that plan, uh, there were three key markets that we identified. One was Bangladesh, one was Cambodia, uh, and the other one was Myanmar. Uh, of course, what's happened in Myanmar in the last two, two years in terms of the political turmoil there has prohibited us from following up on that one. Um, but certainly, Bangladesh and Cambodia are still of interest. Um, since then, of course, you know there are other markets that, that have uh, come and gone you know, for COVID reasons. Indonesia is still of interest to us, um, but also existing markets that we think have growth. So, I mean, India, for example, is is um, we're now seeing a lot of a lot of. Wool tops actually being produced in India, but then being re-exported, which was previously not so much the case. It was very much for their own consumption. So there are a number of markets that are starting to leverage off the, the increased uh, costs in China, uh, which is not as cheap as it used to be, and looking at looking at other other places. But now COVID's, um, the COVID restrictions are easing up. We're, we're already planning trips to, to Bangladesh and to Cambodia and Thailand, for that matter, a Very very large processor there we're working with. Uh, where we want to we want to focus particularly on early stage processes: scouring, carbonizing, top making. That's where our bottleneck is. If you look at where wool's um, knitted, um, woven, dyed, it's done all over the world. So that's we don't see that as the bottleneck. We see that early stage as the bottleneck. Um, we're also involved with um, uh, an in- initiative uh, that was. Put for uh, by wool producers, they got a grant from the government to conduct a feasibility study on onshore processing in Australia, um, and that that's uh, being commissioned by Deloitte. So Deloitte's are undertaking that at the moment. We have we have some input into that as well. Um, so we're really looking at whether there's there's any justification or whether the numbers stack up to actually bring some processing back to australia I, I was previously involved in a number of mills in australia so it's, it's something that's dear to my heart i'd love to see it here um, so hopefully we can get some clarity there as well so look there's a number of things happening i, I will also say uh, after a couple of discussions here in europe um in paris last week uh, with some some pretty significant processes global processes uh, who are also looking at, at, at diversifying where they source early stage wool tops from and whether they might even look at increasing consumption out of of some of the European plants that are here or even looking at their their own factories and where they might domicile those in the future. So there's a lot lot happening in that space Um, and yeah, we're watching it very closely.
0: AWI CEO John Roberts there. So before wool heads anywhere for processing, it has to be shorn and prepared for sale. And this has been an issue discussed regularly around Australia. AWI Chairman, Jock Laurie.
2: Uh, Look, I think it's always going to be very difficult with limited shearers. So what we have to do is build those numbers of shearers up. Uh, And there's a hell of a lot of training going on by uh, AWI at the moment. Uh, And I think that'll continue and continue very strongly uh, well into the future. I think we've already got about 200 learner shearers that have been provided a kit. Uh, that, are, that are operating in the bo- uh, on the board at the moment. And so that's, uh, you know, that is a good start. We do know in Western Australia, there's some major issues in Western Australia, a very competitive marketplace over there uh, for the workforce. So, uh, And certainly there's a hell of a lot more work to be done and continuation of work to be done across the training in New South Wales. Now, one of the reasons we're having the Faulkner Research Day is that there's uh, a lot of discussion around uh, different shearing tools, so to speak. So we... We have Grant Burbage's uh, platform shearing and you know, we recognize the work that's being done there by Grant. Uh, the, the work that we've done in the catch and drag system, uh, both the, the pneumatic and the, and the manual system, uh, the, the, the mobile shearing uh, three stand shed and the, and the peak, uh, all, those, all that gear is gonna be at Faulkner Research Center. And I think it's important for the industry to have a look at it, to see whether they can utilize any of that in their, uh, in their own shed or, or contractors with their own run. To be able to take some of the pressure off and utilize different skills to be able to come in and do some of the shearing as in the platform shearing so at fork today is going to be very important for the industry to have a look at to see that
0: awi chairman jock Laurie. so most recently the issue was discussed in western australia where awi's program manager for wool harvesting and development craig french set up a meeting of shearers and wool handler trainers Shearing contractors, wool growers, state farming groups, stud breeders, state government and also AWI Director David Webster was there to help coordinate the entire industry's effort to form a state wool training group. And after the meeting at Muresk, I caught up with shearer trainers Kevin Galatley and Todd Wegner and WA pastoralists and graziers Chris Patmore.
6: Yeah, we certainly tossed a lot of ideas around. Um, I don't know if we solved the world's problems, but we're... Unless we're all heading in the right direction now, the whole industry, and, and we know we've got some issues to be dealt with and we're all working in the same direction to, to resolve some of those issues.
0: Now, Kevin, you've been around a very,
7: very long time, um, a Hall of Famer, of course. Uh, how did, what was your take on today? Well, today was outstanding. I thought it was fantastic. You know, we covered a lot of country, You know, about cheer training, you know, contractors. and But going forward, I think getting this committee on know, to solve a lot of the problems, bring us all together. And that's what sharing's about: is togetherness, not you know one fighting against the other. So I thought it's been fantastic.
0: It's a team game, but um, I mean, there is a not to sugarcoat it, but you know, there is a crisis across Australia, and here in Western Australia, you're very much, even more so, uh, given that uh, you've got a, an extreme labour um, shortage and you've got amazing opportunities for young people outside agriculture and of course WA's been locked up for a long time. So, Todd, uh, yeah, what's your, what's your take of it?
7: Well, this venue we've got here, like these facilities, you know, M- Muir has um, been out of action probably for 10 years now as far as training and with the new shed, um, yeah, it's got a great future here. Got all the um, facilities up there for, for the students to stay here and uh, yeah, it's been a great day so
0: um yeah we're, we're two from here so there was a, a committee that was formed that ha- is basically um going to be run through uh Wasia, but it's a wool tag committee that has trainers contractors uh, pga slash waf on there as well as awi so um what are you hoping that that committee does chris
6: i think the main aim of it is to to somehow try and alleviate the long-term labor shortage um, we've had a short-term problem so the last two years or so with COVID. But there's a more fundamental labour shortage problem, and it's not just in the shearing industry, it's it's other parts of agriculture and also um, in industry generally. So we've got to work out a way to attract more people to, to the shearing industry um, and, and retain them to alleviate the shortages, because they really are hurting us. And
0: um, so from that point of view, what are, what are the key issues that you want this WA Wool Tag Committee for want of a better term, to, to really focus on as suppose. I mean, you mentioned there the retention of um, shears, but there was a lot of talk about culture today too and in, in sort of lifting the standards and lifting the uh, the perception of the industry.
6: Yeah, there's a fair bit of talk about culture, and that's with the shearing contractors and the farmers equally. Um, and we, we've got to correct that culture uh, in order to attract people to the industry and to retain them in there. And do you think um, shears, are, uh, the, the contractors and wool growers, I mean... The,
0: uh, what's that relationship like in general and how does it improve?
6: I think generally it's fairly good. Um, probably some exceptions and, and I think everyone's to blame there, but it's a communication thing. Um, people have got to communicate with each other and, and if you do, then most of these problems can be ironed out. Yeah. Kevin, you agree with that? Um, oh, I
7: totally agree with you. I thought it was fantastic we're coming together. You know, we talk about teamwork and stuff like that and farmers, growers and, you know, shearers you know, and shed ends, which we're short of at the moment. What an opportunity for the young shearers and young shed hands to come into it. Fantastic. Right.
0: And you've been around. You've seen this many, many, for many, many years. You've trained goodness knows how many um, shearers and shed hands. Uh, are you feeling a little more optimistic uh, than you were previously, or w- w- how, what are you hoping to get out of this wool committee? Well,
7: just going back in time a little bit, there was 176 million sheep here. There was this talk about you know how we're we going to get them shorn. But they all got shorn? And, but I think it's really good, AWI have really done a great job and you know, throughout Australia with their training and their follow up and their support behind all the trainers and the people and letting the, the farmers know where we all stand. So it's the farmers money at the end of the day, so the farmers are a win-win for them.
0: Shearing Hall of Famer and legendary Shearer trainer Kevin Galatly there with Todd Wegner and PGA's Chris Patmore at the very impressive Muresk Institute in Western Australia, including a brand new wool shed and training facility soon to be used. So it's nice to finish on a positive note from me, Marius coming. Thanks for having a yarn with us.